friends, it's Amy Stockstill here, your 2018 Declare Conference MC. And I'm so glad you found your little way to the Declare podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, Declare is a ministry where women who are writers, speakers, and podcasters gather. Our team is dedicated to equipping, growing, and connecting you guys as Christian communicators. We do that through our annual conference, online webinars, and local meetups. Check out our new website at wearedeclared.com. Everything you need to know is right there. All right, I'm going to go ahead and work my MC magic and hand off this podcast to your host, Ann Watson. Hey, welcome back to the Declare podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. You may already know Nikki Koziaros from her work with Proverbs 31 or her books, and you're going to love what we talk about today because we are talking about quitting, dropping the ball, and so much more. But before we get to that, I just want to ask, are you loving the podcast? Will you just let us know? Leave a review or send an email or send us a message uh, through social media. We love hearing what your favorites are, the topics you want us to cover, any suggestions you might have. We are always so grateful when you all take the time to encourage us. Don't forget, if you're listening, take a screenshot with your phone and put it on your social media. Tag We Are Declare or hashtag Declare Podcast and let us know that you're joining in because you never know if you're going to see your screenshot on our story. You guys know how important our sponsors are to us. I mean, they make what we do for you possible. So today I want to thank two really great sponsors. The first one is JC Irresistibles. They make delicious homestyle crafted cookies that you literally can't resist. And I also want to take a second to thank Rad Joy. Their mission is to create products that help other people live surrendered to a life with Christ. They have handcrafted wood surrender crosses, and you write your burdens down on a sheet of paper and you nail them to the cross. They also have Rad boxes, and their goal there is to help you organize and be intentional with your prayers. They sell prayer cards for young kids, for teenagers, for adults, and they're launching Daily Joy, a prayer guide that's going to help you focus on your prayer time. So don't miss what Rad Joy and JC Irresistibles have for you. I'm going to put the links to their websites in our show notes. In our last episode, I talked with Megan Weaver. Megan is the photographer of women entrepreneurs and bloggers based in Dallas. She helps bloggers create better images through her blog and her online photography courses. She's a featured speaker at a lot of blogging conferences, and she's been featured in a lot of really popular magazines. We talk about her number one tip for great photos the biggest mistake we're all making right now, current photo trends, and what to do when you hate pictures of yourself. That is episode number 86. You do not want to miss that one. But today I'm so excited because we are on episode number 87 with Nikki Koziars. Nikki is the author of Five Habits of a Woman Who Doesn't Quit and Why Her? Six Truths We Need to Hear When Measuring Up Leaves Us Falling Behind. Nikki and I talk about the difference between quitting and finishing, recovering when you're hurt by the church, fears that keep you awake at night, the best way to overcome comparison, and the key to juggling it all every single day. This is such a great episode. I can't wait for you to hear it. So let's just go ahead and jump into my conversation with Nikki Koziars. Hi, Nikki. Welcome to the Declare Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Hey, Anne. I'm so excited to be here. I love um, what you're doing on this podcast and through your Declare Conference. So it is an honor to be here with you today. Well, it's an honor for us, really. And I'm so excited to share about some of the stuff that you've been doing, including your two books, which is, you know, two of 
several, I think. But before we get to all of that, I would love for you to just take a minute and tell us about you. Tell us a little bit about who you are, maybe your story, um, and your slightly famous pug. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I am first and foremost wife to Chris Coziars. And um, about four years ago, we purchased a fixer upper farm uh, just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. So we've been restoring that back to what it once was and hopefully better than it once was. And we also have three beautiful but very hormonal daughters, Taylor, Hope, and Kennedy. Um, they are 17, 15, and 12. And just in a couple days, we're going to be moving the oldest one into her dorm um, at college. So that's exciting. Yeah. So I tell people that I have 13 children. <laughs> Three are actual human beings and the other 10 are animals, including, um, as you mentioned, Herman, our somewhat slightly famous pug. He, um, The internet does love him for sure, but he's had a little competition since our donkeys, Fred and Helen, came home. They seem to be winning the hearts of many people. Oh my gosh. I love that you have a farm and that you get to play with animals like that all the time. Um, <laughs> and so I'm guessing, does Herman the pug have his own social media? He does. He does. He doesn't post very much. All right. Well, we'll um, have to put a link on the show notes so people can go follow your famous pug. Okay. Um, okay. And congratulations on uh, sending one of your daughters to college. I have two daughters in college right now and it changes life a little bit, but it's also really fun. So that's kind of yeah. cool. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I would love for you to share a little bit about your story. So I know that you are currently working at Proverbs 31 Ministries, and you are an author. And the two books that you've written that really have impacted me are The Five Habits of Women Who Don't Quit, and then also Why Her. And so I would love for you to share just a little bit about your ministry journey and what led you to write those books. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think those are two different questions. What led me to ministry and what led me to writing are different. So I'll unpack one kind of at a time. But um, so I am actually I'm not on staff at Proverbs 31 Ministries anymore. I just came off staff this last year. I serve in a volunteer position for our first five writing team and also do speak on behalf of Proverbs 31 as well. But kind of my my journey to ministry actually began when I was a teenager, for sure. Um, I was that girl who was so involved in everything at church, at school, the Christian clubs, everything. So I was just as shocked as anybody at the age of 19 years old when I was single and alone and found myself standing in a bathroom holding a pregnancy test that said positive. And I always tell people that I wish the worst part of my story was the fact that I got pregnant before I was married. But I experienced some deep, deep wounding um, from the church community that we were a part of at that time. And I think, Anne, the church has come a long ways um, in the last 17 years. We've definitely kind of moved under the grace of God a whole lot more than that condemnation and shame um, style of preaching that we heard for so many years and years and years in our generation. But because of that wounding, it really moved me to a place of believing that God was done with me, that he was finished with me, that, you know, I had made my decisions and now my decisions had made me. And so I stayed very, I was still in the church, but very on the outside for a long, long season. But after my third daughter was born, my, my husband and I, we ended up getting married. After my third daughter was born, 
I felt like I was supposed to name her Kennedy Grace um, because she was going to help me understand what the grace of God was. And, you know, sometimes, Anne, when I think about the word grace, I think like love, mercy, goodness, like all the positive things, right? Sure. But I can tell you that that child is 12 and she has been nothing like <laughs> the grace of God or what we would think it would be like. Oh, right. You mean she's better than that, right? <laughs> Sure. Um, She is the one, you know, of all three that has had me on my knees and reading all the parenting books and not understanding anything about life with her. But I think sometimes she's a great picture for me to look at, to remember that it was hard for me to accept the grace of God. And it was hard for me to understand what God's grace meant to me personally. It's not a get out of jail card. It's not, you can just mess up and, you know, never have any consequences, but it's this place where you know, he moves into our failures and he turns them into something beautiful. It's that verse that he works all things out for his good. And so kind of moving now towards the ministry question, um, I definitely did not show up at Proverbs 31 Ministries thinking I was going to speak or teach or write books. I'll be honest with you. Someone had given me one of Lisa Turkhurst books and I had no idea who she was. I didn't know that was a thing to like write books and be a Bible study teacher. I had no idea about any of that. And I just remember reading one of the first chapters um, in one of her books and reading about her abortion. And I had this kind of moment that I was like, well, wow, if she could have done that and God used that, like what could God do through my life? And so I showed up at the Proverbs 31 office in a position of, I just want to be around you guys. Like you're messed up. I'm messed up. Like, what can I do just to learn from you? No desires to speak or write or anything like that. Um, But slowly the Lord just kind of opened up doors of opportunity for me to begin sharing my story and teaching different things. And so that was about eight years ago. Um, And then I came on staff for the online Bible study community. I was on staff for about four years until the first book came out. And then when I started writing book number two, I came to the realization that um, as much as we as women would like to believe we can do it all, we cannot. (laughs) And there's only so many hours in a day. And so um, I had to make some tough decisions. And so came off staff and pursued speaking and writing pretty much full time. Um, But like I mentioned, I still serve Proverbs 31 through our first five app. Well, that is a lot. And such a great story. Can we just go back for a second to the broken church experience that you had? Because I do feel a little bit like there are a lot of women out there that do have broken church experiences. Somehow they've been disappointed by the church or hurt by the church or whatever it is. And I fear that they're in danger of walking away from the church. So how did you stay a hold, you know, keep a firm grip on your faith and stick with it even after having been injured by it? Well, yeah, that's a tough question because each of our processes with God are different. And so I'm always hesitant to say like, okay, here, this worked for me. So it could work for you too, because the reality is hurt is hurt, no matter what it looks like, especially within the church where we think it's supposed to be this safe environment. And so Um, For sure. I've met a lot of people in the last um, seven or eight years that have told me about their church hurt experiences. And I think one of the things that healed me, number one, was I went to counseling. That's something I think in our culture, we definitely need to be aware of and need to be um, in tune with is the fact that we can't fix everything on our own. We need someone who's on the outside looking in that can help us work through that hurt. 
So that was one of the things that I definitely would say um, helped me tremendously. But then also, I believe in the church, Anne. Like, I always have, and I never stopped believing in the church. And I remember thinking when I was going through some of the things, and I mean, I'll just tell you some a few of the things that were done. I mean, I had hate notes left on my car. I had people call my house and scream the most horrific things in my ear. I had church leaders want to meet with me and counsel with me when it was really just a shame and blame session. I had a woman offer to throw me a bridal shower and she got all the addresses and she never did the shower. Um, so like a lot of hurt from those people, but I moved my heart to a place of knowing that probably they were reacting that way because the leadership was very unhealthy. And I've come to understand what healthy church leadership looks like now. And that's only been in the past year or so. I've really understood what it means to be in a healthy church environment. But we can't give up on the church because God has called each of us to be a part of a corporate setting. He never asked us to do this in isolation and to do it by ourselves. But we have to remember that the church is filled with broken, messy people. So we can't expect to walk in and just meet these perfect beings and they become our spiritual heroes and they help us, you know, work everything out. And it's all just kumbaya all the time. The church is a very messy environment. And so the more I accepted that and the more I embraced that, it's kind of like your family, right? Like your kids are messy, they're broken, they're, they're going to make mistakes. And you still love them and you want to believe the best for them. And that's kind of how my heart shifted in the church. Oh, I absolutely love that. I love that perspective. I had a conversation with a family member of mine who is not a believer and, you know, said, how come if you go to church, your life isn't perfect? And I said, well, our lives are exactly like yours. The difference between you and people who go to church is the people who go to church know they're a mess. Right. <laughs> so, I, you know, thank you for sharing that. I know that that's a tender spot. And um, I love what you said about going to counseling. I've done that myself. I've had a church hurt in the past and counseling has been such a gift. And so the only thing I guess that I would add to that is I've been known to say that finding a good counselor is like trying on a pair of jeans. You have to try a few before you find the one that fits. So Amen. <laughs> don't give up, which I feel like might be a good transition for us to talk about one of your books, which is the five habits of women who don't quit. Now I was on your launch team for this and it's a great book. And it really spoke to me because there've been a lot of things that I've walked away from, but there's also been this fear in the back of my head that, you know, what is the difference between walking away from something because it's a healthy thing and quitting? And so I just loved this book and I would love for you to share a little bit about what prompted you to write it and maybe what that was like? Yeah. So what prompted me to write it was because as I very openly confess in the book, I was the expert quitter. And I think some of that did come from my experience within the church. Like I know how to walk away from somebody. I know how to close my heart. I know how to shut things down. I know how to be involved just enough to make it seem like I'm not quitting. Um, but, you know, to, to be willing to step back and completely walk away as well. So I was in a very unhealthy place for many, many years in my life. And I remember when I was wrestling with this idea, um, I was actually asked to speak at a retreat. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, I'm so not a speaker. Like, I don't even know what to do with this. And so I just had written this article called five habits of a woman who doesn't quit. And um, the article had done really, really well. And so they took it and turned it into a Proverbs 31 devotion. 
And the devotion did really well. In fact, we still get um, messages about that article and that devotion. Um, and that was like five years ago. So it had a, a big impact on the community. And so I remember thinking, well, could I turn this devotion into a full-blown message? And so I, I worked on it and somehow I was able to put it into, you know, a 45-minute message. And I remember afterwards, people were coming up to me and they were just weeping. And I was like, what is wrong with these people? Like, this was supposed to be like an empower, like, go get them kind of message. I'm really confused about what's happening here. But I realized now being, you know, a little bit more of a mature speaker that the Lord had broken some people in that type of environment. And brokenness is really what we have to do in order to become healed. Like we want to read all these self-help books that, you know, just give us the answers and just tell us what to do. But really we can't overcome these God struggles, which is really just a nice way of saying sin struggle until God breaks us. And so I literally, after that retreat, I came home and I sat down and within two hours I had put the entire message into a book proposal and started sending it out. And it was just crazy. Like, and I say that to say, cause I know you have a lot of communicators and writers that listen to this podcast Yeah, is that sometimes, you know, we sit behind our computers and we're like, okay, I need an idea. I need something to write about. But when we just come at our writing and our speaking from a place of, look, this was really broken in me. This was really messed up in me not just writing from a place of brokenness, because that I don't know is what necessarily brings healing to other people, but to say, look at my process of, I'm not completely healed because we're not going to be there till we're in eternity. Uh, We're always going to have this brokenness in our life, but how can I show people my process of what I'm doing to make sure that my soul is well? So that's how five habits of a woman who doesn't quit came to being. And, um, yeah, it was a long journey for sure. Finding that message, finding my voice. But once I did, man, God moved really fast. Yeah, he did. And I have a feeling that um, that's the experience of a lot of people that when God is ready, you go like it's Mach 2 with your hair on fire. So I love that story. But you know, kind of I want to address that one question really quickly, which is, how do you now on the other side of having written this book, tell the difference between when you're being called to walk away from something versus you're quitting? Right. Well, there's a difference between quitting something and finishing something. So seasons come and seasons go, but the faithfulness of our God, it remains the same in every single season. And the faithfulness and the character of God is not one to just throw in the towel, to walk away, to call it quits. But if you look throughout the scriptures, you see that people finished their assignments. They completed the journey. And so When you're looking at this idea of, um, should I quit? Should I give up? And I actually, I did a message at the Lifeway Women's Forum on this because a lot of leaders wrestle with this question. Like how, like, how do I know? Do I just keep going until, you know, Jesus takes me home or he comes back? Um, because there's a lot of things. So here's a few things that I would say. Number one, um, when you're looking at this idea of, are you finishing or are you quitting? A good rule of thumb is, is there someone who can step into place right here, right now, who can take over your role? Because the worst thing and for you to do would be like to, I'm just using you as an example. Sorry. No, go ahead. Throw me under the bus. Podcast, right? You have all these communicators on this podcast, but then you get to the place where you feel like you're finished. And so you just walk away and then the podcast dies. Well, then that also doesn't bring glory and honor to God because he gave you this vision. He gave you this idea, this mission. And so 
Is there somebody in place right now who could step in and take over Anne's position? And I think when we're looking at ministry as a whole, and even in the church environment too, for sure, you know, there's going to be different seasons where your position comes to a finish. You've done all that you can do and it's time for someone else to step in. And then the other thing that I, and we could go on and on and on about this, but what I would also say is to make sure that you're really, you're asking God, am I quitting or am I finished? And one of the things that someone told me one time, that was a really wise thing is that you will know when you're finished in a position and in a season, when you stop having new ideas. So I'll give you an example. I was the craft lady at our mops group (laughs) and I loved being the craft lady. It was so much fun. I loved, you know, putting together these things, but I got to the place where I was like, okay, I've really done all the ideas because, you know, your mops budget is like a hundred dollars to do a craft for 300 people. And so you get to the place where you're like, okay, I'm out of ideas. And so when I got to that position where I was like, I just can't think of anything else for us to do guys. Like it was time to pass the torch to someone else so that she could bring in a fresh perspective. And so that mops crafts could keep going on and on and on. There was somebody else ready in place. So that's a good example. I would also say you would know that you're quitting when you're making your reaction out of hurt or anger. So many ministries I've seen and churches fall apart because people's emotions just get really high. And as women, you know, our feelings get hurt. It's going to happen. My feelings get hurt at Proverbs 31 Ministries. I know that might surprise somebody, but it happens. And so for sure, have there been times where my feelings have been hurt and I've just gone, well, you know what? Fine. Then I'm just going to not do this anymore. But I know now after wrestling with this for years and years and years that that's not the place um, to make that decision out of hurt or anger. I love this. This is such incredible wisdom. And so you have so much more about these things that are in the book. I want people to go get the book and I'm going to put the link in the show notes. But I want to move on right now to the next book or your most recent book, which is called Why Her? Six Truths We Need to Hear When Measuring Up Leaves Us Falling Behind. I mean, the title alone grabs me because even though I feel like women know better that we shouldn't compare somehow it just happens. And so can you tell a little bit about your journey for writing that story and kind of maybe what you've learned? Sure. So after Five Habits came out, I thought that quitting was my biggest struggle. I thought, okay, I've really, I've wrestled with this. I've conquered this, not conquered it, but I've gotten a good process in place with this. Oh, but Anne, after Five Habits came out, I realized very quickly, like within weeks, that there was another God struggle in my life, and it was comparison. And I found myself after, I think it's a blessing and a curse to have two books. So the first one, it did very well. And so everyone was really excited about the second book. And most authors, their second book does not do as well as their first book. And so I had that statistic in my mind and I am such a goal driven girl. Like, I think I kind of moved from the opposite of quitting to like almost to a place that wasn't healthy in my life where I was like, we have to do whatever we have to do to meet these numbers, these goals. Um, I understand this remark. I do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as I started like seeing how I was constantly looking at, you know, the Amazon numbers and I found myself always asking these questions like, well, 
to other authors and other friends, well, what were, what were your numbers at this point? And what did you do at this point? And, and I think it's okay to want to learn from other people, but I'm just being real and honest that it was not healthy in me. And I remember lying awake at night going, that's it. I'm one and done. Like the Lord is never going to do anything again. I might as well just embrace this, like, cause it's not going to happen again. And I realized though, the connection between five habits and why her was actually a moment where I was actually preparing to go teach on five habits. And I came across this one verse in the book of Ruth, cause that's what the book five habits is based on. It's her journey. There's this one verse that says, and she became like the household of Rachel and Leah. And I was like, Rachel and Leah, like, weren't they kind of messed up? And so I paused my study and I went back and I read their journey. And I realized that after reading a couple of verses of their story, their number one struggle was comparison. I mean, they were in constant competition and comparison with each other. So I like to find somebody in the Bible who is a little more messed up than I am. Um, situation <laughs> is a little more extreme and see what I can learn from them. So again, I was just studying their story, not even from a place of, oh, I'm going to write a book on this, but just from what can I learn from this? How can I help overcome this struggle, this God struggle in my life through it? So their story taught me a lot. And then as I started to have conversations with other people, they were like, oh yeah, me too. Like that's such a struggle. So that's kind of how why her came to be. Well, I love that story. And I really love the organic way that it came to you and that you began to study it. I mean, I'm with you. Like, I love the stories in the Bible, especially of the characters who are super messed up, because that gives me, you know, hope that even in my mess, God can and will use me. So I love that so much. Yeah, for sure. So I'm curious how the book has been being received because you work with or you now serve with just this stellar community of writers. And I'm sure that it's kind of the thing that we don't really talk about is that fear of not measuring up. So what has been sort of the reception that you've gotten from, you know, the women that have been doing the same thing as you? Hmm, that's a good question. So I think one of the things, and it is a blessing and also a little bit of a burden to be a part of a ministry like Proverbs 31, for sure. Um, Because like you said, you know, we do have all these amazing authors. And so I have a very small, um, you would probably be surprised at my circle of really close friends, the friends that are, you know, author communicator friends that I talk to on a consistent basis. And I don't think it's because Um, other people feel like they're in competition or things like that. I think we're just all in our seasons and God gives us the people that we need in those seasons. So I don't really spend a whole lot of time looking to the left and looking to the right. That's one thing that God has been very clear to me about is that I'm in a lane that is not supposed to look like anyone else's. And so I kind of just run really fast forward, sometimes a little too fast and I slow down. And for sure. Like I have people that I champion and encourage, um, but it's a very small group. And I think it's healthy um, to not have this massive tribe, if you want to call it, of other communicators and writers, because unhealthy things can happen for sure. I've seen comparison ruin a lot of people in ministry. And that makes my heart hurt more than anything um, is when I see a God assignment die or a God assignment not become fulfilled because comparison compromised something in a woman's soul. So 
one of the ways that I keep comparison in check is by keeping my eyes forward for sure. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to champion the leadership and, you know, those people that are, that I'm running with. And it's not like, don't hear me say it's like, well, I'm not championing that person or I'm not championing that person. Um, cause for sure I am, but it's just a place of I'm being very intentional where I'm putting my focus and my efforts so that the, the whole theme of the book, why her is that you've got to do whatever you've got to do to make your soul well. So if you're following someone on social media and they're posting things that, you know, they're, they're doing the same thing that you're doing and it's not making your soul well, let me give you permission right now to unfollow them or to, to hide their post or whatever you have to do. And it's not like, sometimes I hear people go, well, that's just ugly. Like, we should just all be cheering for each other. And yes, a hundred percent, we should. We're all running towards the same goal, which is God's kingdom. But again, it goes back to that whole concept that I live my life in, that we're all in process and our processes are individual and unique and they're not going to look the same. So what makes my soul well and may not make your soul well. And I just know that I have to do whatever I have to do to be able to stand before God and have a soul that is well so that he can continue to use me. I love that. I think that's so great. And I've actually heard that advice before that it's okay to unfollow people that just are not helping your soul be well. I mean, that is just what a nugget. I love that. And I know there is so much more where that came from in the book. But I'm curious, you gave us a couple of real practical tips on the how to know if you're finishing or quitting. I'm wondering, what would you say to the woman who could be potentially holding herself back from the call on God's life because she's just afraid she's not going to be as good as so-and-so? So I think that would connect really well to actually one of the last, the sixth truth in the book, Why Her? And it's, let the success of others encourage, not discourage you. And a lot of times when we don't just look at other people's success. We stare and we, we go like, how did they make that happen? And there's nothing wrong with looking at someone who's ahead of you. And the thing that we have to understand is there's always someone ahead of us. There's always someone behind, behind us. And there's always someone beside us in life. And you're never going to arrive at this place where you are on the top and that is it. You're the best of the best of us. And so when we're, we're in this posture though, of allowing ourselves to learn from the success of others. Here's what it looks like. So if, and say you had a podcast that did really, really well. And I also, I have a podcast. It's not a very consistent podcast, but I have a small one. So maybe I looked at the success of one episode that you did. Now I could sit in two positions. I could go, why her? Like, why does she get to have that interview? Why did she get to have that experience? What is it that, you know, made that, that interview do so amazing? Or I can move my heart to a posture of going, Amen. I'm so honored and excited that Anne had that interview and that happened to her and that success happened to her. And if God can do that for her, what can God do for me? And it's not a place of like, let me get mine. Like, I know you've heard that phrase. It's kind of big in our culture. Like, I got to get mine. I got to get mine. It's not that that posture. It's this posture of, Lord, show me my unique assignment. Show me my unique voice, my unique calling, my unique lane that I'm running in. But then look, like, how did she get that interview? Like, ask yourself some really practical questions. Was she already connected with her? Was she, you know, had she done something with her previously that that connection was already made? Because sometimes we look at people's success and we go, well, that just happened for them. Like, I know Lisa Turkers talks all the time that people, you know, think that she just kind of showed up overnight and 
I was a part of Proverbs before Proverbs was what it is now, right? Like we were in this little tiny office where there was like five people in their office. And, you know, now it's like this massive thing. But for, you know, 10, 15 years, Lisa had been digging these ditches and, you know, writing these books that nobody read and all these things. And she didn't just wake up on the New York Times list. Like that didn't just happen for her. So it's learning from their success, but then taking what you can learn from them, not in a place of copying or I just want to do what they want to do, but just taking it and applying it in your own unique way. If that does that make sense? Oh, yeah, it's okay. I think what you're talking about is looking to others to learn from them, but then applying it to your unique situation and story so that you can use your newfound knowledge to propel the message God has given you. Yes. It's not about sharing their message or sharing yours the way they share theirs. It's just about learning from people and, you know, just educating yourself. Right. A hundred percent. Yes. No, I think that that's so wise. And that's actually a lot of what we try to do at Declare is we bring in amazing speakers like you and people who've written books and people who've kind of gone before to share the wisdom that they've learned, to share the things that helped them the most so that our community can take those things and tweak them, you know, adjust them, apply them to their own personal message and ministry so that they can be the best selves that they can be. Right, right. And, you know, people ask me all the time, like, what would you tell one, one person who wants to write a book or, you know, to start speaking or whatever, what should they do? And every time I say, you need to get to a conference, you need to get into the room with other people who are doing what you're doing. First of all, it does kind of go, you kind of go, oh, I'm not the only one (laughs) who wants to speak and who wants, and it's a little humbling for a second, right? Right. But then humility is a good thing in the kingdom of God. But then there's this opportunity to be able to connect face to face with people. So I highly recommend getting yourself to some type of conference and getting in that environment so you can learn and you can see the unique place that God has just for you. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Because every time that I went to a conference, even before I was affiliated with the Declare Conference, it just is like this shot of adrenaline. It just fires you up. It pumps you up. You get all these tools and these support and encouragement. I mean, conferences are like my favorite thing. I call myself a conference junkie because I just (laughs) believe in the power of a conference. Yeah, yeah, I do too, for sure. (laughs) Okay, so Nikki, I want to ask you one more question. As an author and a speaker and a podcast host and a mom and a farm owner and all of those different things, I would just love to know, practically speaking, how do you prioritize what you're working on? And what kind of habits have you put in place to help you just keep going with the writing and the speaking? So that's a good question. It's a hard question. Um, you know, it's summertime right now. So my sketch, like this morning, I was like, it is time for these kids to go back to school. Like, right. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> my um, husband sings, it's the most wonderful yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know there's moms that homeschool and that's, that is a calling and assignment from God. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make light of any of that, but for, for our family, like my kids have to be in school. Yeah. Same here, but you're right. Homeschooling moms. I mean, gosh, all the credit they're saints. Yes. A hundred percent. They're my heroes. Yes. Um, so I will tell you though, that I, I hate that word balance because there is none. And so one of the ways, this is kind of how I live my life and you can take it or you can leave it. Okay. So 
every day, like you mentioned, I'm juggling all these different balls, right? I've got mom, I've got writer, I've got speaker, I've got farmer, I've got, you know, all this kind of things. And there's no way, there's no possible way in 24 hours and to still get, cause Lord help me, I need eight hours of sleep every night <laughs> to still get eight hours of sleep at night. I'm going to keep all those balls juggling just right every single day. And so a long time ago, someone told me something really powerful. They said, Nikki, you are going to drop a ball every single day. There's no way you can do this assignment and do everything perfectly every day. But the key to keeping everything juggling, don't hear me say balancing, juggling is to not let the same ball drop two days in a row. So today um, I've got interviews. I've got a message that I'm working on for this weekend. So literally this morning I dropped the mom ball big time. Okay. Okay. Um, And so I know that tomorrow the mom ball is going to have to get picked up for a little while. I'm hitting the road in the afternoon um, for a little while. And I'm going to need to just love on my girls for a little while because the next day the speaker ball is up. And so that means that the wife ball is dropping. The mom ball is dropping. The farm ball is dropping. But then when I get home on Sunday, I know that the speaker ball has to get dropped down and those other balls have to get picked back up. And so I do this with everything, with laundry, with cleaning, with cooking. Um, It doesn't all get done perfectly every single day, but I keep it going in that mindset of thinking, okay, what yesterday, like whose feelings did I hurt? (laughs) Who do I need to go go back to today and pick that, that ball back up and really make them feel loved and valued? But on a practical side as well, I have a very part-time assistant because you do, your brain can only do so much. And I am horrible with details. And like, I'm kind of the visionary type person. Like you give me the thing to do and I'll go do it, but I don't want to figure out how we're going to do it. I just want to do it. And so I do have an assistant and then, you know, I have someone who helps me with getting my podcast out, getting it up on iTunes because somebody can do those types of things, but like there are things that only Nikki can do. Like only Nikki can do this interview right now. Only Nikki can do the next interview. Only Nikki can write the book. Only Nikki can, you know, be a part of a publisher meeting and things like that. Um, so what are the things that only you can do? And then who are the people who can help you do those other things that practically has helped me a lot for sure. Oh, that's so great. And I love that basically what you've just done is you've given women permission to drop a ball occasionally. Yes. Knowing that (laughs) they have the grace to pick it back up later. And I love that you said too, that you have an assistant, because I think a lot of times we get stuck in this idea that we have to be able to do it all ourselves. Otherwise, it's not just our thing. And I, Mm -hmm. I just think what you said is so powerful. That having an assistant so frees you to do what only you can do to stay in your lane. Right. But, and for many years, I was not in a position where I could have an assistant. And so I think, you know, we have to be really careful that we don't jump into that realm of things, because let me tell you something, like it physically makes me sick to know every single month I've got to pay this girl this certain amount of money. Like that is a burden that I carry with me through everything that I'm doing right now. And when you start to have people that you're actually paying money to, there becomes, you know, a a place of, wow, like I I really got to make sure that we're, we're continuing to bring in an income so that I can keep these people employed. Um, so before I could have the capacity and the ability to generate income to pay people, my mom, before she passed away, sometimes she was the one who was booking my flights and, you know, arranging rental cars and things like that. So 
don't necessarily look at it like, okay, I have to have this perfect assistant who does all these things. Like maybe it is a friend who, you know, has a couple hours a month that she can book flights for you or answer a couple emails for you. A lot of people are really willing to help other people, especially when they believe in your God assignment. So just keep that in mind that it doesn't have to be like this paid position where you have someone helping you. That's such good wisdom, such great advice. And, you know, I think too, especially in communities of writers and speakers, that sometimes it's just a good idea to say, swap a skill, you know, hey, I can help you with this if you can help me with that. And it's just such a good idea. Well, Nikki, you know, the Declare Conference is something that we are passionate about, which is all about equipping women and, you know, building them up, helping Christian communicators do their thing in the best possible way. And this year we have been talking about what it means to be a warrior, because whenever you step out to do something for God, you're just going to come against some obstacles that you didn't expect. And we recognize that everybody fights those battles a little bit differently. And so I just wanted to ask you, what does being a warrior mean to you? Mm, Well, I love this question because I don't, you know, that word warrior, I'm not sure we always use it in our culture today, but really we are in a war every single day. And I think for me, the biggest thing that I have um, had to do is make sure that I'm aware of the battle. It's funny. And because now at this point, like I can almost put, like, I would be willing to put money on it. Like when my husband and I get into a fight about something so stupid, it never fails that I go to check my email and there's, you know, a speaking request or, you know, something exciting, an opportunity. Like, it seems like for me, I can, I'm kind of sensing that my battlefield happens before the opportunity comes because Satan would love for me just to be distracted and totally miss it. And there's been a couple of times where we've almost had that position where I'm just like, I don't even want to go do this anymore. Like the battle is too strong. So for me, just recognizing it, first of all, and I think that comes, you know, with your spiritual maturity is just that time with God asking him to show you what are the ways that the enemy is trying to distract me, to detour me and to make me miss what you're trying to do here. Um, But on a practical side, also anytime I go to speak at a conference, a retreat, an event, a meeting, whatever, I spend more time in prayer and worship than I do in actually preparing for my message. And I know that might freak a lot of type A people out, um, but I have found that it is more important for me to cultivate the presence of God in my heart and in my life than it is to spend the time preparing, like making sure I've got all the sticky statements just right, or, you know, the scriptures in just the right order. When I walk into an environment and I'm filled with the fullness of Jesus Christ, that is when I see the most powerful things happen. So I know that for several hours before I get ready to head out for an event, my phone is off. Like it is just me and God on my face before him. I also, anytime I get ready to speak, I anoint myself with oil. I mean, you know, I know there's, there's mixed feelings about things like that, but I will just take some oil and I'll dab my forehead and I'll say, I have the mind of Christ. And then I dab my ears and I ask God to give me ears that can hear his voice when I'm speaking. And then I'll dab my lips and say, God, do not let anything come out of this mouth that is not of you and for you. And then I also put some on my heart as a reminder to walk into an environment of being able to look at people the way that God looks at them. And, you know, because you're doing a large conference that in an environment like that, it's really easy to get distracted by people complaining about 
the temperature or the food or that speaker or the paper on the table. And those little things like that can really ruin an environment for the Holy Spirit to work. So I ask God to protect my heart and to just give me eyes to see these people like He sees them, not the way that I want to see them. I could not love that more. And I have not ever heard that thing about the oil. And I just think that that is such a powerful thing to do. It's just a a physical thing that helps you get your mind right. And I just think, wow, that's such a great practical tip. Nikki, I am just blown away by how much wisdom you have shared by, gosh, your journey and just everything that you've had to say, I am just in awe of and I'm also walking away from this like with several truly practical things that I can do today in my own ministry. And I just know that this is going to bless everybody who's listening. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the podcast today. Oh, and it was my joy. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. And I'm going to have all the links on the show notes so people can go and find you and your books. And um, gosh, we just love you and just wish you all the best. Thanks, Anne. You too. I cannot thank Nikki enough for that. I will never look at juggling the same way again. If you want to hear more from Nikki, check out her website or her Amazon page. All the links are in the show notes. Y'all, she gets it. She gets us. So make sure that you show her some love. Did you love this episode or another one? Let us know. Mention your favorites when you leave a review for the podcast or send us an email or send us a message through social media, whatever you got to do, whatever you're comfortable with, whatever's easiest. We just love to hear from you. But we also love it if you would go ahead and subscribe to this podcast. That'd be so great. And you'll never miss another new episode. One more huge thank you to JC Irresistibles and Rad Joy for sponsoring this episode. If you want to check out what they're doing and how you can get involved or how you can satisfy your sweet tooth, go ahead and look at their website. All the links are on the show notes. We always hope every episode of the Declare podcast inspires and encourages you. Thank you for always listening. We will see you next time on the Declare podcast.